What's going on, FA Nation? Welcome, welcome. Matt Sells, Dan Malin, we are back this week to preview. It's a super speedway race, so everyone's in play. Thanks for listening. Have a great night. <laughs> Matt, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, yes, in, in, I get what you did there a little bit in jest. Um, it is a super speedway week with Talladega uh, on tap. Um, so yeah, it's probably going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast than, than normal. There's going to be a lot more generalizations this week, uh, than specifics because yeah, literally everybody's in play. Like we joke that the best strategy for Talladega is to get a dartboard, put <laughs> driver's names all around it and then throw five or six darts. Um, no, there's, there's some legitimate strategies. There are some legitimate strategies. We'll go over them. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those races where kind of chaos is expected to ensue. Yeah. Uh, do you want to talk Richmond real quick? We can. Yeah, that was a little bit of an odd, a little bit of an odd Richmond race. Um, <clears throat> it was my first NASCAR race playing cash games this year, and thank God I did because if I didn't, I would not have broken even. Um, Kyle, I was heaviest on Kyle Larson. Yeah, that didn't work so well. No, it did that not. Was, that he, was not a good weekend for Kyle. He showed up with just the wrong setup. And I really wish that following a Richmond race where Kyle Larson didn't show up, I wish that we had any other track aside from a super speedway. Otherwise, I would have been even heavier on Kyle Larson. Uh, price could have dipped. Ownership could have dipped. But here we are at a super speedway. And it's it's a track where everybody is is truly on the table. And so... Weird week, um, but it, I always feel like with Richmond, that every time we watch a Richmond race, we kind of reflect on it. We're always just slapped in the face and just like, why didn't we just start drivers, start it like start four or five drivers in the top 18 and then maybe try to find one PD target? Because my second highest driver was actually Eric Almarola. That paid off. Yeah, he had a pretty, he had a very good run the first top 10 of the year for Eric Almarola. Yeah. Um, he had a good one. Obviously, Alex Bowman, um, great run there. Mm-hmm. Um, coming from what twenty fourth. Um, I had some Bowman. I didn't have enough Bowman. Um, missed him in the playbook as well. Just historically, and this is kind of what concerned me at the beginning of the race for Larson. They were doing the pre race uh, interviews, and Larson goes. Yeah, I'm just kind of finding out from my teammates' interviews that this is not a good track for Hendrick, so that has me a bit concerned. <laughs> How did you not know that coming into the week? Like, you can't look at stats that this is this is clearly Hendrick's worst track, and it has been in quite some time. Like, they, I don't think Hendrick has had a race winner there since, like, the 90s, mm. if I'm not mistaken. So, I only um, got one this week. They week. did get one this week with uh, with with Bowman, and that means that three Hendrick cars are qualified for the playoffs, and Chase Elliott is not one of them. Um, so I guess my argument stands that Chase Elliott <laughs> is the worst Hendrick driver right now. Um, yeah, I don't even know how to power rank them. I know for uh, S's and G's earlier in the year, we we jokingly power ranked JGR, and and at least there's. There's a decent argument to say that Kyle Busch is the worst JGR driver just because from what he was a few years ago to just having one win in the last two years. 
Yeah, what, he's seventeen laps led this year, I think. Totally. Yeah, and like, and he's been bad without practice and qualifying. Um, it's been a weird year for Chase, but I mean, he still has so many road courses on the schedule that he could yeah. easily dominate. But here's the thing: so you <clears> and I were looking over some numbers. We were reading some interesting stuff uh, earlier today. And Chase's value has not been there. It's not an illusion. No, it really hasn't. Yeah. It's not an illusion. If you actually do the math, it's not been there. Like, as much stuff as we want to give Kevin Harvick. Harvick has, what, seven top tens in the first nine races? Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't led a single lap this year. That's right. I said that. Kevin Harvick has not led a single lap this year. Uh, but in terms of actual, like, solid finishes, Kevin Harvick has seven top ten finishes already. Granted, not what you're paying for at Kevin Harvick's price, right? But Chase Elliott doesn't even have that. So, yeah, we can lean on the fact that there's road courses upcoming. There's Coda, there's Sonoma, there's Watkins Glen, there's still Road America, the Roval in the playoffs. Um, But, like, when his teammates have been good at mile-and-a-half tracks, Chase Elliott hasn't been. Mm. Right? Like, Byron and Larson dominated at uh, Homestead and Vegas. Chase Elliott didn't do anything. And then you get Bowman showing up at Richmond, which kind of drives like a mile and a half in some respects. And Chase Elliott spent the whole day going backwards. So, I don't know. Those Harvick and Chase are going to have to prove me some stuff. I mean, I'm still going to play some of them this week because everybody's in play this week, but... Just saying on more standard tracks, they're going to have to prove a little bit before we start leaning on them again. Can we talk about Danny Hamlin's start? I mean... Yes. He, yeah, he's been finished, phenomenal. He's been unreal. Aside from Miami, he's finished in the top five in every race. Uh, in the last two races, granted, it's Richmond and Martinsville. He's led 483 laps. Yeah, on the with, season, he's got almost 700 laps led at this point. It's ridiculous. I mean, he just doesn't have a win yet. It's going to come. But, yeah. again, uh, second straight week, I was pretty heavy on Hamlin. Uh, luckily, he was in my cash lineup, and my cash lineup, you know, helped me break even at Richmond. But, man, it's just insane. Like, every race, he's top five, except with the exception of Miami. That was his only really bad race, and he was on the pole, and he finished 11th for that. Other than that, really good year. He's getting dominator points. Um, do we, all right, it's, it's probably a bad idea to dive right into the driver previews, but you know, we'll, we'll touch on Denny Hamlin, obviously, just because he has the solid record at Daytona, but he's off to a phenomenal start. We'll probably touch on him next week for the Bushy McBush race. Is that next week? Is that Kansas? Um, that's actually a good question. I temporarily forgot the uh, the That's schedule okay. here. So, um, but we can just do we can just go into the breakdown for Talladega. It's it's the biggest track uh, on the schedule every year. I think it's like two point six six miles. Yep. You can go three wide here. You can go four wide here. It's a super speedway, high banking. They're gonna go fast. It's a plate race, so everyone's kind of on a level playing field, which is why Matt and I say. Everyone's in play. I made a joke about it, but literally, I mean, you you could just play anybody. You can leave salary on the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, of the few lineups I've made, I'm leaving between two thousand and seven thousand dollars on the table. Um, 
these are just weird races because for so many different reasons. One, it's pack racing, which honestly bores me. <clears throat> Not a fan. I like being there to watch it. Like when we were at Daytona a couple years ago, I was a big fan of that. Uh, two, it sucks for DFS because uh, if your drivers are involved in the big one, you can just you're just lighting yep. money on fire. Uh, three, uh, another DFS note, uh, laps led and fastest laps are just evenly distributed. You may get someone to lead a good portion of laps, but at the same time, the fastest laps are just where the, the real dominator points are at. Those are pretty distributed evenly, uh, in, at a super speedway when we're, we're pack racing all in all. You're almost assured not to get fastest laps if your guy's in the front of the pack though. Yeah. Um, so all in all. I don't really like these races for for DFS. Like Daytona, Talladega, and Bristol are the three tracks I absolutely suck the most. These are this is my Richmond to Hendrick Motorsports. Like if I'm Hendrick Motorsports, these tracks are my Richmond, and uh, I'm only doing three lineups for Xfinity, three lineups for Cup. I've locked it in. I have my reservations. I am not altering from that. I am going to the Braves game on Sunday to take my mind off the race. And so that is that. I am still here for the podcast, and we can discuss drivers, but I do not like these races. <laughs> yeah, they're they're definitely a crapshoot for sure. Um, you know, as we saw the Daytona 500, it looked like with one turn to go, Brad Keselowski was going to win it, and then Joey Logano throws a block, which His is kind of what Joey. Yeah, kind of what Joey Logano does. Um, and then, actually, funny side note: I was watching a clip of Ryan Blaney talking to Bob Pockers. Um Bob Pockers has it posted on Twitter. Blaney was talking about how they called the Team Penske meeting to make sure that at the end of Talladega, what happened to Daytona doesn't happen. And in while Blaney is trying to explain this to him, Joey Logano is so good at blocking, he's liter- he literally calls in to Ryan Blaney twice to try to get a piece of the... F- <laughs> to, to try and talk with Blaney and block him from talking to Pockers. So that's how good Joey Logano is at blocking. Not a great idea here uh, at these tracks. If you misjudge it, you're going to cause a massive wreck. And so because Logano blocked Kislowski on the final turn at Daytona, we got Michael McDowell winning the Daytona 500 and me cashing a a pretty nice check there on Fandle. Um, (laughs) But yeah, anything can happen... A um, couple of couple of Talladega races ago, there had literally they'd gone 187 laps without the big one. Yep. And with literally a turn and a half left in the race, it happened. It happened and completely crapped on everybody's lineup. Right. Um, Chase Elliott won here a couple of years ago under caution in turn three. Um, beat Alex Bowman actually by like a nose when the caution came out. Um, so yeah, these are definitely crapshoot races. There is a strategy to it. Um, I touched on a bit in the track breakdown that's out. Um, but basically you're going to want a couple of guys starting in the top 12 and then everybody else is going to be starting 25th or worse. And then you just let the wrecks happen. And if you survive them, you'll be in pretty decent shape. If you don't, then you're with like 90% of people. Can I just sound off on Talladega for or Super Speedways for DFS one more time? Yeah. I hate that DraftKings and FanDuel also bring out their biggest DFS contests for these races. Agreed. Uh, Agreed. 
because they really attract casual fans that don't really understand like what these races do for NASCAR DFS. And so like uh, for the cup race, for example, the big uh, contest is $20 entry, 150 max, obviously. And it's 200 K to first. That's great. But if the big one happens and it's, it's just a waste of money because if you're not max entering and you're not trying to cover every possibility or every possible race scenario, you know, you're really just letting money on fire. And so I initially had three reservations in the $20 GPP and I withdrew them just because I realized if I'm only playing three lineups, it's not worth it because I'm probably going to lose 60 bucks. So I'm sticking with a smaller contest for three lineups. If I lose the money, so what? It's, it's not much. Um, but I really wish like, uh, and we hype up Daytona every year. We try to get people engaged mm-hmm. in it. It's just I hate that Daytona DFS is what we kick off the year, and that's the one race where you're really turning people off to NASCAR DFS because if you don't play it regularly and that's your first time playing NASCAR DFS, you're turned off by, like, you know, your your lineup's just seeing three to four guys wreck. Come back the next week for Miami, DRC, Atlanta you'll have a lot more research and, and confidence and, and guys that you know you should be building around and maybe even some leverage plays. But for these super speedways, it's it's a crapshoot, and that's ultimately why I don't really like them. Yeah, uh, the same goes for a couple of our colleagues there and John and Pemba and James Grande, who every year <laughs> hop all into the Daytona 500 contest and hit me up, and they're like, is this a good lineup? Yeah, it's fine. It's Daytona. I'm not going to tell you it's a bad lineup for these races. I'm just not. Um, usually we'll be in chat and we'll be telling you, Hey, I lean this way on a guy or I lean that this week is not going to matter. Right. Yeah. If you post a lineup, I'm going to tell you it's fine yep. because I'm not a fortune teller. I have no idea who's getting involved in wrecks. Um, and right? the other so, thing is too, is like, we could get, we could, you mentioned it three minutes ago. Like we could get a boring race where we don't get the big one until the last lap. It has happened a couple of times at Talladega in which they've run caution-free races. It hasn't yeah. happened in about 20 years. Um, but it's it's entirely possible that knowing that Daytona, that the big one happened 15 laps into Daytona, that people are going to be cautious at the beginning of the race and you will see more single-file <clears throat> racing until probably the second half of the last stage. So you'll be going... Oh, why did I bank on all these crashes when all of my guys are in the, are in like the back of the pack still, and everybody's still, you know, on the lead lap or whatever, and then it'll happen. So, just the just enjoy the race, right? Watch it, enjoy the uh, the the strategy that is pack racing and how the aerodynamics really play a role into getting runs and and whatnot. This is also a race where stacking is involved. Not normally a thing that we do in NASCAR DFS, mm-hmm. uh, but stacking manufacturers um, and stacking teams is a big thing with this race because, uh, A, not only has Ford won eight of the last ten Cup Talladega races, um, but Penske has won six of those eight for Ford. They just tend to stick around each other. They also pit together. Um, so you'll see a lot of Fords pitting at the same time, and then you'll see the Chevys get off and pit, and Toyota will have to work with one of those two because there's only going to be, like, five Toyotas on the track. Um, but, yeah, so stacking is a thing because they tend to run the same strategies per manufacturer. Um, 
But yeah, you're you're basically hoping your guys make it to the end of the race and have moved up. Um, is there anything you need to touch on? Track breakdown, playbook. I mean, it's it's all available this weekend. I feel bad writing the Xfinity playbook just because, again, like <laughs> I can't really say no to anybody, but I will highlight drivers that I will be looking at based on super yeah. speedway history, plate racing history, PD things like that. But again, like I don't even know if I want to do core plays this week. I'm not doing core plays. Love I'm it. You, I'm, I'm telling you right now, I'm not doing core plays. Um, although if Howard Bender gets a hold of this, he may tell me I have to do core plays anyway. <laughs> I did them for the, I did them for Daytona, and they actually worked out pretty decently. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you don't see a guy in the playbook, it doesn't mean we're not playing them this week, right? <laughs> like it's just we're gonna highlight. The guys that have the standout histories here uh, have had success or in solid starting spots, you know, things like that. But literally anybody's in play. So I like that you said standout and histories and and phenomenal finishes, because I think that's a good segue to Denny Hamlin. Denny Hamlin is ten thousand dollars on DraftKings. I don't even have FanDuel prices up because I I have not looked at FanDuel. Since I can tell you, I can tell you in just a second. I have FanDuel up. Um, I can switch from. Baseball. He's on the poll. He's ten thousand dollars. He's won I think three of the last five or six Daytona five hundreds. Three of the last five, yeah. Um, are you playing Denny Hamlin this week? I'm not. Uh, I'm playing Denny Hamlin. Yes. Uh, a, he's been very very good no matter the track this year right he finished top five at daytona uh the other thing is last year he won this race right where did he start he started on the pole uh he won it in the fall race at talladega so um by the way denny hamlin is 12-5 on FanDuel. that makes him the fourth most expensive driver uh this week uh behind logano blaney and keselowski not a shock to see the three penske guys (laughs) they really just priced up the penske drivers yeah, uh, Brad's fourteen thousand, Blaney's thirteen five, Logano's thirteen, and then Hamlin's at twelve five, and then you get Almarola at twelve thousand. Good lord! Whatnot? Chase eleven seven, Stenhouse eleven thousand. Um, so I like Denny Hamlin. Obviously, laps led not a thing. We really are focused on that much this week, um, but the the. The downside to Denny being on the pole sometimes, though, is that in these races, he does tend to drop to the back and let the craziness play out and then move up in the second half of the second stage. Mm -hmm. So if you play him, please do not freak out and message me. Oh, my God, we're 10 laps in. He's already 40th. No, that's he does this on purpose. Like, oh, yeah. And and he, he, he did it last year at Talladega and wound up winning. He does it every year at Daytona, and he's won three of the last five Daytona 500. So it's a thing he does. It's worked for him. Yeah. So so don't freak out. Um, As an aside to that, uh, we normally preach. I, I do my best every Sunday. It's usually a race between Big Day for me, a couple other people. Oh, yeah, NASCAR when you're going to check. To see who checks their NASCAR DFS lineups first. Really? Don't do it for Daytona or Talladega. Don't do it's it. It's a waste of time. It only matters where you finish. You could be up $7,000. You could be down $12,000. I'll give you a perfect example. I checked about basically at the start of stage three for the Daytona 500. 
And based on where guys had restarted, I was sitting at 2500 bucks <clears throat> on FanDuel. And I was like, oh, I really should not have checked because this is not going to hold. It, be real it pissed. fluctuates way too much and too often. And then halfway through the last lap, I'm like, hey, let's see how I'm doing. And I was only up 10 bucks, right? Then the wreck happens. McDowell wins. I won 2500 bucks. There you go. So in a half a lap, it went from $10 to 2500 bucks. So it's it can go completely the opposite. Dan and I were at Daytona in July of 2019. I was doing excellently. Looked at my phone. Looked back up. 17 cars and fired. <laughs> I was like, well, should not have checked the lineups because it's pointless <laughs> now. Um, so, yeah, just don't check them. Just, just, just really don't check them. Um, so I'm fine with Hamlin starting on the pole. Uh, he won from there last year here. He's a great plate racer. Um, I'm just not going to play him. Any of the Penske guys? Uh, All the Penske uh, drivers are in play. Yeah. Logano starting second. Blaney starting seventh. Kozlowski starting tenth. Um, of the three, I would probably go Blaney one. Uh, a, he's won twice here. And B, I'm still not sure that Kozlowski and Logano can get along on a plate track together. Um, we've seen them crash each other out about <laughs> four out of the last seven plate races. Um, so I would go Blaney one if we're going Penske. Um, and by the way, Penske also includes Matt DiBenedetto, uh, who's actually a pretty solid plate racer. Um, he's starting 13th, so he's in play for sure. Nice. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm going to lean more towards Fords probably just because A, Fords have the Roush Yates engines, which have better horsepower and are very good for super speedway racing. And to get a little bit into the woods and the technical side of things, the front, the, 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 the grill of the Ford Mustangs and the bumpers of the Ford must the, the rear bumpers of the Ford Mustangs line up very nicely and create a nice solid flat surface to push and drag from uh, or draft from. Whereas if you look at the Chevy Camaros, they kind of come to a point a little mm-hmm. bit on the front end and they have kind of a cutout and a bumper. Um, those get a little wonky if you don't line them up <clears throat> right on the money. They can cause some issues. Uh, Toyota's pretty solid for, for pushing, but the Fords, the reason the Ford has had the most success is because their engines are uh, just good. really, really good at super speedways. <laughs> and they're really good with in terms of uh, being able to push and draft off each other. They're the best aligned ones. Um, Can I talk about two drivers that I'm playing this week that sure. I have not played in months? Sure. I'm going to play Kevin Harvick and Kyle Busch and just see what the hell happens. Not a bad idea. I mean, Harvick's starting 16th. He's only 9,600. Kyle Busch is 9th, 9,200. Um, oh, my God. I hate when people drag race on my street, Matt. Well, you know. Did you hear that? Could you hear that? I, I did. It sounded, it sounded like a Honda Civic with a, with a big-ass... Yeah. It didn't sound like Kyle Busch's car because that actually sounded faster than Kyle Busch. But I'm going to get exposure to (laughs) Kyle Busch this weekend. Uh, I'm just assuming both guys, and I'm only doing three laps, so I'm probably only going to throw them both into two tops. You know, look at me go. Um, But I just don't anticipate anybody getting exposure. I really like the spot for Harvick. Uh, But again, you know, you're just kind of hoping that these guys avoid the big one. Um, I think... 
Uh, no practice. The fact that everyone's on a level playing field, that, that'll that help Kyle Busch. Um, I don't think he's the greatest plate racer. Um, I was heavy on Eric Almarola the last two weeks. I think I'm going to fade that train this week just because everyone's going to be all over him because he has a pretty good history at super speedways, and I just – I'm going to fade the noise. Screw it. I'm going against the grain. Well, you know, that's, that's not a – bad strategy um i can't necessarily say there's chalk in a plate race because i think ownership gets so spread out that it's basically impossible like yeah the guys starting in the back are probably going to be slightly more popular than the guys starting up front or in the middle but it's not going to be like where we've seen this year with guys owned it you know i don't know i'm trying to think of um you know popular like truex or whatnot at Martinsville on the pole, right? Mm -hmm. That guy was locked in like 40% of lineups. That's not going to happen this week. Um, And in terms of building your lineups, please do not go over like 25% exposure on anybody. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just don't, because I don't care how many laps they've completed here. I don't care how many uh, top fives, top tens they've had. Anything can happen. Like, literally anything can happen. So, um, just cap it about 25% exposure for everybody. Um, I don't know. I mean, popular plays, if you want the drivers who are going to be probably popular. Stenhouse is going to be popular. He's a very good plate racer. I would think Austin Dillon would be pretty popular. Um, Dillon's price tag is actually really nice. I mean, price tag is irrelevant at television. Yeah. But um, seventy seven hundred is is pretty intriguing. Yeah, I would guess that Bubba Wallace is back to being popular because he's a pretty good plate racer. He also needs a good run. He does. He needs a consistent run. He's been fast at times this year and hasn't put it all together. Right. Whether it be late race strategy didn't work, bad pit stop, um, or just overall bad runs. Uh, McDowell, you can expect to be pretty popular, considering mm-hmm. the fact the guy won the Daytona 500. Um, and I'm going to bet you that the that the most popular budget play is going to be Justin Haley. Because all Justin Probably. Haley does is win plate races. Like, literally. Like, the guy won at Daytona the year that Dan and I went, July of 2019. Justin Haley won now. It was because Kurt Busch's crew chief made a stupid pit decision <laughs> uh, under her rain delay. But Justin Haley won. Uh, and then he's won, what, three plate races in Xfinity? There there was a stretch where he won, like, three straight plate races. At yeah, the- he won, like, two series. Daytonas and a Talladega or two Talladegas and a Daytona. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it was something like that. Um, he's going to be pretty popular. Um Timmy Hill's probably a pretty popular budget guy this week because he just seems to be that. Um, Corey LaJoy Corey is going to be yeah. a popular cheap guy this week. What about J.J. Yaley? Yeah, I mean, he's fine. Like, listen, I'm not going to tell you not to play anybody this week, right? There's no fades this week, in my opinion, right? Mm-hmm. Are there guys that I'm going to clearly like better than other guys? Sure, mm-hmm. but there's no... It's not like, oh, this guy's starting third. There's no way he can hit value. No, that's not going to be in play this week. There's literally not a single guy you can fade 
this week. Although I will say that the guy starting in third, I will probably have less exposure to in Martin Trex Jr. Because that guy tends to get caught up in a lot of the wrecks at plate right. races for whatever reason. So if everyone's on the table, we're not going to necessarily yes. talk anyone off a driver unless their name is Martin Trex Jr. What is your lineup construction looking like for cash and gpps i understand like the cash strategy you'll see this from almost any dfs provider i'm actually not really playing cash this week nor should you i dislike playing cash at plate races simply because um everybody plays guys starting from the rear yeah like like you'll see some of our esteemed cohorts um in the industry literally build their lineups with okay who's starting 40th through 34th yeah and just plug them in and go, okay, when the crash has happened, it's going to hit. Does it always work? No. Does it work a decent amount of times? Yes. Um, but, yeah, I mean, so my strategy op- my, my strategy for building rosters is I'm going to leave a fair amount on the table. And what do I mean by a fair amount? Depending on the site, right? Because on FanDuel, you can build a lineup that leaves, not even joking, $40,000 on the table. <laughs> Right, like you can if you oh, just right. they they price those guys way down to like two. Oh, I'm sorry, not you can't leave a full forty thousand, but you can leave uh thirty nine thousand because you can go three two thousand dollar guys and two twenty five hundred dollar guys and leave basically like thirty nine grand on the table. And who does that get you? Yaley, McLeod, Hill, uh, Quinn Hoff, and Joey Gase. Who, by the way, nice paint scheme for Joey Gase this week. Mm-hmm. Nice job there, Joey Gase honoring uh davy allison and donor organ donation nicely done there joey gase um so i'm gonna leave a fair amount on the table i'm not gonna leave thirty nine thousand on fanduel uh i'll leave on fanduel probably between five to twelve and on dk probably closer to like four to eight because their pricing is is like, you can't, like, completely punt pricing on DK. Um. All right. So how are you looking at just overall lineup construction? Are you looking at, you know, for especially for a GPP, are you looking to maybe go with maybe one guy in the top 10, one guy in the top 10 to 17 to 20, and then the rest are – starting further like outside the top 20 to 25 yeah generally speaking um that's how i'm going to do it so i wrote in the track breakdown earlier today that in the last four talladega races there are seven drivers in the field this week that have averaged 10 or more spots of position differential per race in the last four races you want to take a gander as to the uh, closest average starting spot for those seven guys? Um, I don't Not know. You driver, got I'm me. I'm just saying the, the best average starting spot to average double-digit position differentials in the last four Talladega races is 15. Ryan Priest starting 29th. I was way off. Ryan Priest in the last four Talladega races has averaged starting 29th and finishes on average 11 and a half. Uh, everybody else who averages more than 10 spots of PD a race starts 30th or worse. So if you want PD, 
you got to go to the back part of the field, right? Um, there's only there are 15 drivers that average six or more spots a race in position differential in the last four races. Only three of those start inside the top 25. So that kind of tells you if you know. That being said, and you're going well, it's all back half of the fields. Well, here's the thing. Uh, here's the starting spots for the last 10 winners at Talladega. 1st, 12th, 9th, 11th, 4th, 9th, 6th, 1st, 16th, and 7th. Hmm. All over the board. Yeah, but nobody's won it starting further back than 16th, and almost all of them have won it from starting inside the top 9. There's only three guys that have won it in the last 10 that have started outside the top 9, and two of those started 11th and 12th. So, if you want a winner, they're going to come from the top 10 starting spots. Generally, right? Yeah. If you want the PD guys, they're going to come from 25th on back. So, that's kind of how I'm building the lineup, is I want a top 10 guy to stay up front, and I want the rest of the guys to move up when the guys in the middle crash out of the race. You know, we always... Aim to have these podcasts be shorter, and here we are, but 32 somehow, minutes in. Somehow, <laughs> but we, we spent like 15 minutes just complaining about it. <laughs> well, that's true. That's um, true. but it—they're it, all—they're all warranted. Yeah, it's—it's it's really just if if you've built yourself a nice bankroll, it's a good week to to conserve it. That's what I'm doing. Um, I mean, I. I had a nice weekend at Martinsville. I broke even at Richmond. I'm not looking to blow everything I want at Martinsville on Talladega. If I take a loss, it's going to be a slight loss. I'm going to be smart this weekend. Uh, I know yeah, I always save say... Save it for the uh, Bushy McBush Race 400 next week. Yes. Good Lord, yes. At Kansas, which is a great <laughs> mile and a half track. Um, but, Matt, is there anything else you wanted to cover? Um, it's it's Dega, man. It's, it's is Dega literally put any combination of guys you want together that are under the 50,000. Um, don't go buck wild and go, well, I'm going to bank on five dudes staying up front. Cause that ain't going to happen. Um, again, laps led don't really matter that much in the track breakdown. I put up the top 20 guys over the last eight Talladega races to lead to, to have the most laps completed. Um, I'm really quite bummed, though, that the number one guy in laps completed in the last eight races is not in the field this week. Mm. There have been 1,527 laps run in the last eight Talladega races. Only one driver has completed all 100% of them. And who's that? Ty Dillon. Go figure. And he's in the Xfinity race. He's in the Xfinity race. You can go play him in the Xfinity race. Um, but, yeah, he, he's not in the cup race. A uh, little disappointed about that one. Uh, Jennifer Jo Cobb will not be in the cup race. She did not get approved, um, much to a bunch of people's chagrin. Supposedly, NASCAR made the decision before Richmond. I don't know if that's true. I think they're using that as a cop-out to say, hey, um, well, it was actually decided before she went nuts and had major problems at Richmond. Um, so she won't be in the cup race, but... What's your thoughts on that, by the way? Because I think Pockers tweeted something out earlier this week that said it had something to do with her lack of cup experience 
on super speedways, which is, if you're going to say that, fine, at least stick to your guns with it, but then explain Harrison Burton. Yeah, see, that's what, that's, there's been plenty of, of other people that have pointed out, um, guys like, uh, I think Matt Weaver was one of them, um, I saw it from a couple other people, but yeah, Harrison Burton doesn't make any sense, how did he get, um, you know, permission to go cup racing at Talladega with, I don't believe he was in the cup car at Daytona, right, um, so that I don't understand. And then a bunch of people pointed out that, hey, you've let some other, you know, Xfinity and truck people race at plate tracks who actually have less uh, truck and Xfinity experience, period, let alone on plate tracks than Jennifer Joe Cobb. So, like, it it's starting to get a little fishy as to... Like, if you want to turn around and say, okay, yeah, Richmond was the final straw. We just didn't want her out there. Okay. Whatever. But, like, yeah, the excuse I gave I don't really think holds that much water considering that she's got quite a lot of experience in the truck series and a little bit in the Xfinity series at plate tracks. All right, Matt. Well, as always, thank you so much for your time. I thought this was still insightful, even though I'm not going heavy this week. Um, I know a lot of people probably aren't believing that, though, but just just not very excited about this one. And I have, I by, I, by the way, I have informed him that he should just delete his DraftKings app on Sunday morning when he goes to the, <laughs> when he goes to the game, because we, we, we've all seen what happened like at Martinsville when he talked himself into the Stuart Haas stack. For no particular. Hey, that almost paid off. (laughs) (laughs) That's Chase Briscoe was running top twelve at one point. (laughs) That should be the title of the podcast. Hey, that almost paid off. Um, yeah. So go have fun, guys. Um, we did pretty well with the strategy at Daytona. Not saying it's gonna, you know, do that (laughs) replicate the results again for Talladega because they are different tracks. Um, but yeah, just, you know, build with caution. Don't go heavy. Save the bankroll for Kansas and Darlington and Dover coming up, which are a lot more predictable racetracks. Um, and have fun with it. All right, Matt, best of luck to you and best of luck to the FA Nation. Best of luck, FA Nation.